Revelation chapter 2, I'll be reading verses 8 through 11. And pardon my voice, but as you know, it's allergy season. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who conquers shall not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I was walking down the aisle this morning to holy, 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 my mind went back to memory when I was a kid sitting in the far back pew of the Paris First United Methodist Church. Next to me was my 85-year-old grandfather. If there was ever a soul on this earth among many, that I would say had the most influence on my life, it was this man I'm sitting next to. He influenced me as an individual. He influenced me in going into ministry. He supported me, and most importantly, he lived out before me the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was a faithful man, and I learned faithfulness from him. Born in 1895, lived through the original COVID, the Spanish flu, but in the midst of that, went and worshipped and sang, holy, holy, holy. And when the Great Depression hit, even as he worshipped, even as he served, he lost all that he had. $12,000. That's a lot of money in the Great Depression, folks. A lot of money. But then took up a tobacco knife and got back into the fields and learned how to survive. His picture is on the front of your bulletin. It's my favorite picture of my grandfather, and I have a special place of honor for it in my house. He lived through as he worshipped God, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, where we almost lost a cousin of mine, a grandson of his, lost their first child, Charles Keller, and yet sat in a pew and prayed. Lost on New Year's Eve, a grandchild in a horrible car crash. 
And in his old age, insulin dependent and couldn't control it well, lost his eyesight. And I ended up having to take an electric razor and shave him. What an honor. What an honor. If you can think of one person in your life that embodies faithfulness, who would it be? What picture would you put on a bulletin? What name would you attach to it? I know they're in your lives. I wish we had time to share the stories. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Faithfulness. What is the source of faithfulness? Why are we faithful? Faithful comes from the word faith or trust, pistos in the Greek. And the, high, the meaning, the core idea behind that word means that you know somebody well enough that you can trust them to put your heart in their hands. You remember when you were a kid and you used to get up on a chair and you'd say to mom or dad, catch me. And you'd jump. Why did you do that? Because you knew they would catch you. You knew they loved you. They wanted no harm for you. That's the idea behind faithfulness. We are faithful because the hands of the one we call Redeemer Crucified and risen Lord will catch us. He'll catch us. In World War II, the story is told of a blitz one evening in London when a father and a son were out in the streets, and as the sirens went off, the father went over and found a deep crevice that had been made by a bomb sometime before. He jumped into it, looking up and seeing the sky orange before him, he could see the silhouette of his son. He said, jump, and I'll catch you. The little boy said, but Daddy, I don't see you. To which his father responded with this. Jump, I can see you. We're faithful because the one who is our Savior, will always catch us in the dark, bombed-out places of life every single time. What does it look like, this thing called faith? Well, let me explain it this way. I believe faith is simply showing up. When the doorbell rang, the mother of three children, a single mom who had just learned that her mother had passed away and was trying to gather everything together to get her family on the train to go for the funeral, thought to herself, oh great, this is all I need. Somebody knocking on the door while I'm trying to get ready to go. When she opened the door, there was her neighbor from across the street. And all he said was, I'm here to shine your shoes. I'm here to shine your shoes. Now, a task as menial as that, maybe not as important today as it once was, was a way that they could show up. 
just shining shoes. This week, God will give you opportunities to be faithful. And it may be that you need to just show up in that line at Walmart when the person is in pain and they just need somebody to talk to, but you're in a rush. And the gift of a listening ear and the gift of taking time says, I am a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of other ways that you can do it. God will show you. But faithful disciples of Jesus, show up. Show up. And why do we do it? Why are we faithful? Recently I read the story of Leonard and Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf, the author of those famous books, To the Lighthouse and A Room of One's Own. And during the pre-war years, when Hitler would get on the radio waves and make his speeches, they would sit by their radio and listen to Hitler pontificate and rant. One time, Leonard was out planting in the garden irises. And Virginia came to the door and said, Leonard, Hitler's coming on with another speech. And in his memoir that he wrote 20 years after that, he said, uh, I had had enough. I had had enough of the speeches. I'd had enough of the fear. I'd had enough of the anxiety. And I simply yelled back to Virginia, no, I'm not going to come and listen. And then he said this, and if you can listen to this, it'll preach to your soul. He said, one day, one day, Hitler will be no more, but my irises will still be blooming. My irises will still be blooming. And sure enough, 20 years after, Hitler's war was done, his life taken out in a bunker, but the irises we're still blooming. You see, folks, God still has the last word. We sing the Gloria Patri almost every Sunday. Glory to the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning. Have you ever listened to the words? Do you know the meaning? As it was in the beginning. Eden, folks, life with God is now and ever shall be. We as Christians are living in the new Eden. God has the last word. When she was living, Mother Teresa came over to the United States and met with some senators. One particular senator said to her, um, I admire your work, and, and she said, it's God's work. And then he went on and said this, he said, India has so many problems. How can you ever be successful? Don't you get discouraged? 
If you don't hear anything else I've said today, hear this, her response. She looked at him and she said, God has not called me to be successful. God has called me to be faithful. Amen? Now, someday you are going to receive an invitation to a memorial service for Paul Allen Fryman. It'll be in this church. I don't know what's going to be said. I'm passing out $20 bills every once in a while. And <laughs> some people are holding out for more, however. Some people that I thought I could trust sing with every Sunday. But you know, listen, it won't matter one ounce to me what is said about me in this church. I won't be here. What matters to me? You're an old preacher. What matters to me? It's what I hear from the lips of Jesus. And I hope to hear. Well done. A good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that too? Don't you want to hear that too? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.